<laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Panther Den. I'm Miles, and this is our very special guest, uh, Jesse. Yo, what up? Oh, we've never had our Panther roar like this before. This one goes on for a long time. But there's also not one, like, giant roar. It's it's more of a bunch of growling. It kind of sounds like some belching going on, too, man. You know? I mean, I don't... To be fair... I'm glad that you changed it up. Yeah, I'm just trying something new. You know, I don't know how long we can continue to do the same thing. No. I think people are expecting more from us now at at this point. We're like 42 episodes in or something. Bro, it's 2018. I mean, I'm definitely feeling the audience pressure. Yeah. uh, The people demand quality. They do. They demand consistency of content. Totally. um, But they want a few surprises here. Cheaper, faster, better. Papa John's. Speaking of Papa John's, yeah. Jesse, I, fast food played a huge role in this. Oh, the movie we're talking about tonight is 2005's The Weatherman, directed by Gore Verbinski. Gore Verbinski, Yeah. So, Jesse, first of all, we invited you on this episode because the last time we you you guessed it on one was for the Family Man episode. Right. And right. for some reason, I remember you saying something about the weatherman on like at that same night or maybe while we were recording the episode saying that you hated it. So that's why we asked you on this episode, because we thought that you hated it. Now, I don't know your actual relationship with it, because once we started watching it, you were like, oh, now I remember this, which makes me think that maybe you didn't really remember I thought, it before. I actually thought this was going to be the Wicker Man, you know, like before oh, we watched no. it. Oh, no. Yeah, I really did. Oh, no. I actually Jesse, thought this I'm was... I'm so and sorry. And then we got to this, I'm like, oh, fuck this movie. Oh, man. But you have seen oh, this But so you have oh, seen dear. this one. Yes, I have. I okay. Have. Yeah. You said you saw it on a plane? I saw it on an airplane, yeah. I'm yeah, not, which is really the natural habitat for a movie like this. Yeah, I, I mean, like the and so the. Do you remember what other what of the other choices were? Like it was. Do you remember it was between like what else and this? And you're like, oh, choices? there were choices. <laughs> oh, there are plenty of choices. Yeah, and like I just, I think you you guys had just started the podcast around this time, so I was kind of like, um, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of want to see a Nick Cage movie right now. So yeah, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do, wow. you know, and um, and it wasn't. I bet you felt. <laughs> It was it was very bad. I, like, well, I'm really sorry that you thought you were getting something else. Well, you know, and it was weird too because like the um the uh, the plane noises were kind of like adding to the uh, just the uncomfortable atno- you know atmosphere. Yeah. You know, just the general like feeling yeah. that this movie was uh, the product of a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watching it is is sort of like staring back into that just like empty. Yeah, you're you're really in his like uh yeah depressed. I feel like in general this entire movie was empty. Because there was a lot going on in the sense that there were many like vignettes or short you know uh, character sketches or like mm -hmm. weird dialogue scenes, but there was no content. Like like there like there 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 was no story. They weren't saying anything. They were just having, they were just conversing with each other for the sake of like, you know, having a scene going. Yeah. Well, the whole movie, if you, if this is another movie that like we can sum up the plot in like a sentence. It's just that like, it's about a weatherman, Nick Cage, who is unhappy with his life and then kind of finds some peace at the end of the movie 
being happy with his life. But there's no real, like... I mean, even though there's a bunch of tiny stories and th things ostensibly, like, happen, there, um, it not, there, there's no, like, grand, like, state change. <laughs> like, his life doesn't really change that much right. in any outs, even though, like, a bunch of things are happening to the characters around him. He just learns to not be shitty, kind of. He just decides. He more just kind of decides. He's like... Because the whole movie is this, like... Um, well, here, I, I actually... I did a little bit of research uh, before uh, before coming to the podcast because mm. that's what I'm... That's the contract that I've made between our <laughs> listeners. And, uh, <laughs> so, You're the research guy. So, um, this movie was directed by Gore Verbinski, as we said, and written by Steve Conrad. And... Uh, Steve Conrad went on to write The Pursuit of Happiness, spelled with a Y. Yeah. The Will Smith one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ben Stiller. Which, yeah. yeah. Mm. Just came out called Wonder. Anyway, which all, they all seem like kind of the same movie to me, <laughs> which seems kind of like this movie. Like, just men feeling feelings, grown men feeling <laughs> things, and like having this kind of like really bland sense of ennui uh, that uh, is just not actually connected to anything material, just kind of like um, I mean, because the whole thing about this character is that he's making like six figures he's he's extremely successful in his career he, as a local weatherman <laughs> in Chicago and between like the start of the movie and the end of the movie, he actually gets what he wants, which is that's, that's the weird thing to me about this movie is that for as much as the character just kind of like stumbles through getting what he wants despite his best efforts to like shoot himself in the foot at every turn, <laughs> yeah. um, he's still miserable. Right. Like for he's no for no reason. So you're just watching. <laughs> yeah, you're just watching someone who's miserable when they could be taking very minimal and easy steps to just rectify what makes them sad. And, I, I mean, his dad. So like, it makes me hate him. More. <laughs> like you're like, I don't think you're supposed to hate the, the main no. character of a movie as much as you like hate this man. Because his dad is a dick. Like his dad is a dick. Michael Caine no doing the worst American <laughs> accent. Yes. Possibly I've ever heard. Yeah. Which is like, why do you cast Michael Caine and then be like, yeah, just do a just do a shitty American accent. The, the, it's such, it's so perverse to cast <laughs> So, like Michael Caine's acting is like eighty percent his accent. You know, it's mean, not a knock against Michael. Caine. It's true. His voice is amazing. He has a great. He has a great voice. You cast him because of his voice. Totally. Hearing him try to do an American accent is is insulting. Well, even even when he was like doing an American accent, I I still felt it was like I, I was hearing the Michael yeah. Caine yeah, voice because that's just what comes out of his mouth. Right. You know, that's like. That's what. That's who, yeah. Yeah. Not to mention casting a kid that his teen son, the guy who plays his teen son, is also noticeably British. Yeah. <laughs> Which. And like, weirdly enough, he does a better job masking his real accent. I mean, it obviously I, still slips out, but in comparison to Michael Caine yeah. Yeah. and whatever he's doing, I think the son does like a better job of. Well, and the yeah. son has to have an American accent, but again, like Michael Caine did not have to have an American accent. <laughs> it's true. He could have just been British. Well, I think it just not hereditary. It just like adds. <laughs> it just adds to the uncomfortability of the movie. I, I I think that's part of it. You know, is like let's just emphasize this more, you know, and make this like, you know, I mean, it I just, it, it made every scene that he was in seem so stilted and, um, 
Jesse, Jesse had said, uh, while we were watching it, you said it feels like uh, that Michael Caine is like on the spectrum. His character is on the spectrum. Right. And I want to expand on that and say that this movie felt, everybody felt like they were on the spectrum. Sure. It, it, sure. It was, which is to say, like, that, that nothing, everything felt kind of, nobody was acting the way humans act. <laughs> no one was talking to each other in dialogue that felt like people talking. Yeah. It all felt very much like a script. And in the, like, in such a weird, stilted, alien way that every scene, even ones where things ostensibly happen, like um, Nick Cage beating up a pedophile or like uh, <laughs> his daughter breaking her leg in a really severe way and then immediately healing. <laughs> like thing, things ostensibly happen, but, uh, they, um, but they don't seem to carry any weight or consequence, even within the scenes. Yeah. There's this weird like dryness and emptiness to everything. Which which makes it seem like everyone is just an automaton that yeah. is like doing that is just compelled to do an action and they don't have any motivation for it. And I was just yeah. like, scribbling on my pages while we were watching this, trying to just trying to like figure out what the tone of this movie was, like how to even describe it or understand it. Because there is something like I guess I'd say like kind of special about its tone, which is that like it, which is to say that it's like, it's not necessarily like erratic. Like it's very much it's itself, and it's very like it doesn't feel quite like any other movie, I guess. And, well, and consistently, yeah. And and I think what I decided was that like I think Steve Conrad thought that he was writing a dark comedy, but it doesn't actually understand anything about comedy. Like yeah. Yeah. that these like right. setups and things like Michael Caine telling Nicolas Cage about his 12 year old daughter's camel toe. Like, yeah. That, that it, I can imagine that being a comedic scene, but the way that it plays out and then the way Gord Verbinski directs it too makes, just makes it super uncomfortable. Yeah. And so it doesn't, it's like he thought that just the idea of those things happening and then putting all those things together in the stories, how you make a comedy movie, but there's no thought to like rhythm or uh, yeah. anything like that. Or I was even thinking like, uh, I think I mentioned like halfway through the movie that, you know, I could see like Gore Verbinski like cracking up, like yeah. watching these scenes. And maybe that's just his sense of humor too. Right. Is that Super he just has like, just, yeah. just like, you know, not funny to like most people, you know, but probably hilarious. To well, him, but I think there you know? is, there is definitely some of that because yeah. I found myself like cackling out loud yeah. at a few parts. Sure. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was funny, Yeah, but I think a lot of like the, the, the comedic moments come from the handling of the dialogue, which, mm-hmm. which Dave goes, goes to what you were just saying about how the script was written with different intentions. Yeah than how it was directed or how the final product came out. It's sure. like the actors handling this dialogue in this way, like that friction led to why it was funny. It wasn't right. one, it wasn't right. one or the other. And and I think when I was talking about it feel it is being special, which is like a, a you know, a word I throw around to movies like this sometimes, which is just I think what I'm really focusing on is is that yeah, it's the, there's that weird struggle of these these really stilted like stagey scenes of actors struggling to do this dialogue, but they all where they 
end up in their performances and I don't know if this is the direction or just like the mood on the set or, or what leads to this but everybody's pitched at kind of the same level like it's it's like not naturalistic it's like pitched a little bit higher but then also like really stilted so it's even though nobody is doing good acting necessarily like even Michael Caine in like that his big speech while they're listening to Bob Seger. <laughs> he's like, I can see him like trying to act the hell out of that scene. Right. And it's just, it still feels like it's a, the product of an alien planet. Yeah. But, um, but everybody's pitched at the same level, whatever that is. And so it like, it's a world. It does create like an atmosphere in a world that is not fun to be in, but is no, it's really awkward and uncomfortable, but it's consistent. It's consistent. Right. And uncomfortable. I think I, uh, it's important to which the that, thing the thing that i and the thing that i can appreciate about a movie like this is just that yeah. that there, this is someone someone enjoys this world yeah. oh and, yeah and has seen this movie multiple times and and you know that's something to be said like it's not a sloppy movie I, like I think, it's it's ve- i think it's very thought through but yeah. it just not nothing that it is hitting appeals to me so I Gore don't Ver- think I can appreciate yeah. it. All right. Ver- 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 God, I'm going to keep mangling that name. Gore Verbinski. Gore, my buddy Gore. He's, he's a... Al <laughs> Gore. I mean, um, he he has a visual flair and an eye for what he wants. I think Jesse's right. I think that this is funny to him because, like, let's remember that before doing this movie, uh, he made easily the best movie he has ever made, which is The Ring, the remake of The Ring. Mm. And that's, I, I, that's a good movie. And he can do creepy. Like, there's that scene with the pedophile in this movie that, I mean, that's the one scene where the tone, I do think, goes completely off the rails. Right. Into a, into a different movie where you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, I thought... watching this play out? And yeah. since that scene happened within the first 20 minutes or so of the movie, I thought that... The, what was happening before had just been a setup and that it was going to get real dark real quick and I like, yeah. I like braced myself for, for a minute there and I was like yeah. oh man is that this kind of movie I was not prepared for this well, right right well and again like there's the scene later on where he has the bow and arrow and he points it at the um, oh at his at his, uh, his at his ex-wife's new husband yeah, yeah. and Catherine was like he's going to shoot him and but at that point in the movie I was just like, I don't think so because the, I, this it, it's not decisive enough to go to a crazy place. And also, just, his character committed to just not doing anything, right? And and it would it would be out of character for him to to kill him because he would he gets more he would get more out of the misery of having to like watch him be married to the woman he still loves. Well, it doesn't then, commit to any right. any kind of emotion. That's, you know? It's just it's mean, just like it's just like, so he's such a yeah. non-committal person. Completely, yeah. That. Yeah, he'd rather prolong this situation than do something about it. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's the office without you know like any humor <laughs> or like uh, I don't know. It's just like all the uncomfortability of that. Cage you know, is with, very without... Steve Carellish. Yeah, his, like his characterization is very Steve Carellish. Totally. In this, I, I actually really liked his performance in this. I did too, and actually, I think he makes a really good weatherman. Yeah, he's a great. Like, I would, I would be a fan of his weather if I, if he was like a local like news weatherman. I'd be like, oh yeah, this guy has style. Like I can get behind this. This is kind of goofy. Yeah, he's a natural. Yeah, and like the way that his hair is styled 
it's different than it usually is. Yeah. Like the thing Does that he have plugs or something in this movie. I like a, a I don't know how they did it. I think it was a piece, but in in usually his hair is like swept back. Right. But in this one, it was all just wispy and like falling like to the front of yeah. him. And it was just a different look. Like, it was a different hairstyle and thus a different look that you yeah. don't see on Cage often. And I think it gave him more of, like, a charm. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I really liked the performance that he, he pulled and he, he did for this. Um, we should talk about the score. Oh, boy. So, Man, like... Hans. Uh, so Hans go, Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Gee whiz. Of but the, this, wasn't, this wasn't, like, Pirate's... Hans Zimmer. No. This was a very different Hans Zimmer. No, this was like Hans Zimmer. This was, this I, a... Like like going back to what you said about tone earlier, Dave, like yeah. um I, I said <laughs> soundtrack literally uses a digital tick sound as a percussion instrument. Yeah. I think and I think that's all that you know needs to be said about the tone. Yeah, it's just like it's so uncomfortable. The whole thing is like yeah, just so brittle and nasty. <laughs> yeah, like the weather. I think it the feels sh- like I think it, it's. Yeah, I think it thinks that it's being like edgy, kind of like edgy, I edgy. Think it's, I think it, it like keeping the energy up, like it's a comedy. Yeah, like the the score felt like really at odds with the it the tone that was actually coming through versus like what the tone that wanted to come through. Like yeah, the there, intention maybe was there, but right, the, the, like there was the the like. Uh, that part where he's like, oh, I should have remembered the tartar sauce. And then we get this long, like, memory of, uh, you know, his wife sends him out to get food and he forgets the tartar sauce. Yeah. It's, it's a big to-do. And the way that the way that, that scene is actually filmed and acted, it looks like a fucking Edward Albee play. Like, she's like, don't you forget the sauce! You're eating, so I'm not gonna forget the sauce! And then they're, like, arguing, and you see the kids all sad. You see the kids lying in bed, just listening to their parents. Well, and the, and the, and the music was jumping back and forth stylistically, yeah. And, and yeah. during that scene, the, the yeah. music is like, it, it sounds like fucking Iggy Pop, Lust for Life. It's like, ding, 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 ding. Like, yeah. Like a fun, like you know, like well, my crazy life. Yeah. And it just like, it, it just doubles the uncomfortable feeling of it because you're just like, this isn't like, am, how am I supposed to feel about this? I think the yeah. music, the, the music contributed a lot to the tenseness of it because totally. every interaction that anyone has in this movie feels confrontational. Like there's almost yeah. no, you know, even when it's moments that are supposed to be tender, like, you know, when he's in the food court with his son right. and he, like, puts his arm around him, that still was, <laughs> and it, like, yeah. s- such a tense and awkward, <laughs> like, interaction between them. And it felt like the only, like, sigh of relief in that whole movie, too, you know, it was yeah, like, you it know, was that. really weird. And it wasn't even a sigh of relief. Right. It was just like, it was just a. It still was just like. And yeah. I think, I think what contributes to that, like, emotional confusion is because the music almost never mirrors you know, thematically, like what is happening on screen or in the dialogue, which like, almost which, never, which actually kind of mirrors the fact that like, I kind of feel like nobody's listening to each other in this yes. movie. Everyone's talking past. The so, so the music kind of reflects that too. It's yeah. not, it's not really listening to the, uh, to the picture. So, <laughs> no, yeah, so or, or the tone, the tone is completely like, right. You, yeah. You said like, there was like some like easy listening reggae kind of. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, right. Yeah. It, it yeah, it's just, was I wonder if these were just the demos that Hans Zimmer made. <laughs> the 
but he didn't have time. Like the, I feel like it was like his interns or something. Yeah. He, he was like he was like doing this movie in between like Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And maybe like, maybe they grabbed the wrong music. Maybe maybe that's what happened. They, they just like he sent the interns out for the, the you know. <laughs> it, was, it was just a mix up. It was, it was just, a mix up. He's like, well, uh, I had to get this score in by today. So. <laughs> Deliver the wrong hard drive. Someone was just trying to like pass this band's demo tape on. So. Like, um, Yo, man, give my tape the Hans Zimmer. Yeah, like, um, if you if you had a dude, if you had a friend that was interning for Hans Zimmer, would you straight up be like, give my tape to Hans Zimmer? Tape. You're like, uh, yeah, I got some easy listening reggae and some kind of like uh, some just like chill funk that uh, I got. I got using a picture. I got the CDR. Do, do you guys yeah. have a CD player? <laughs> yeah. Well, this and this movie came out in 2005, so this yeah. was square during the time where you would be handing your demo out on a CDR. It could have been a yeah. CDRW, just in case. Yeah, just, just in case Hans wanted to use it after. Exactly, I'm sure he would have. Um, okay, so uh, like I was gonna say a long time ago, I, I did a little research uh, into this. So you guys want to know a little backstory? Yeah. I do oh, because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of went into this blind. Yeah. So and since we're recording, like, right after I saw it, I didn't have time to do much research. So Steve Conrad uh, says this he was inspired when he, he saw a friend, his own friend, throw a milkshake at a local Florida weatherman <laughs> named Al Sunshine. Um, <laughs> Wait, hold name. on. Al why the <laughs> fuck is he? Why, why didn't he use the name Al Sunshine? In this movie as Spritz, yeah, yeah, it's so much better. Um, so this is a, a quote. He says, "I wondered what it would. I wonder what it was about weathermen that made people want to throw things. Would they do that to Ted Koppel? Probably not. I think people have violent reactions when they think people are being fake to you." Hmm. Um, and he, he mentioned in the interview that I read some of the things that Nick Cage's character n- names as reasons people hate weathermen, which is a, a, a back, backlash against bogus television nicknames and that people hold weathermen responsible for the weather. Um, does anyone do that? In my experience, <laughs> none of that is true. Like, is that a thing? No, people don't throw things at weathermen, right? Like... I mean, don't throw things at anybody. Well, yeah, I think that's a, you know, good... good. And, and this shows up, so it's like, the whole movie is based on this conceit outside of his own shitty friend throwing a milkshake at Al Sunshine. Like, I don't think this speaks to a universal trend. It's like how the, there's, like, a couple characters who come up to Nick Cage's character in the movie and are like, hey, you're, you're the weatherman. Give me, uh, give me your signature. Give me your autograph. And he's like, no, I'm trying to live my life. They're like, hey, man, you're, a, you're on TV. You're on TV, man. Do it. You do this for me. He's like, can I just not? Like, that's, that's what the dialogue is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And both of those people don't exist. These people who throw... Anyway. Yeah. Um, some other things. Uh, the, the lines the, from Nick Cage's novel, his CIA spy novel in the movie, um, were from an actual novel that Steve Conrad was, <laughs> wrote when he was younger. Oh, boy. That he then realized was really bad. Oh, boy. This. Um, oh, this, he says this. So let's see what you guys think about this quote, if you agree with this. He says uh, that Michael, uh, uh, that, that Nick, what's his name? Michael Douglas? 
Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Yeah. Michael Caine's character is filet mignon and his son is an egg McMuffin. <laughs> the film deals with his entire, this entire struggle against mediocrity. There are great people and then there's the rest of us. When do we start imagining, oh, I'm sorry. When do we stop imagining who we could be and start imagining who we are? Right. <laughs> when do we stop imagining who we could be and start imagining who we are? It's, uh, Wait, are you are you asking me? I, I think no, it's a g- he's asking you. Steve Conrad is asking you, and the movie is putting the question. Well, to I don't you. know. Maybe if Michael Caine said it with an American accent, I would be more inclined to answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a question as old as time. I think. It might be the first question. See, I didn't get that from this movie at yeah, all. Well, that, that, no. that was that was not. I was <laughs> yeah, not asking either. myself that question no, at the end in any way. Well, just the idea that it's dealing with mediocrity seems like if the idea of mediocrity is that you're making uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing what what Nick Cage admits in the movie is an extremely easy job. <laughs> yeah. The worst thing that happens is that people throw some food at you. I don't know. Did the, the green screen look pretty tough, Dave? It looked pretty pretty <laughs> difficult. Did, yeah. He did say you have to have a strong sense of scale. You, d- you do. You really do. He's an artist. But um, And then the last line in the movie is he's he actually finally ends up on a float in like the Macy's Day Parade or something. And he's like, this is where I belong. Like behind the firemen, but in front of SpongeBob. <laughs> and, you know, just settling, <laughs> settling in the middle, settling for mediocrity. But that's not, you're still in the fucking parade getting... Uh, yeah, no, I know. You know, I know. He has a, so much money in this movie. Well, it's not just the money; it's that he has a he he's had, he's a celebrity yeah. essentially. And he just has a bad attitude about it. Yeah. He and all that happens is his dad dies after uh, he realizes that they both like love each other all of a sudden. And then they do that weird <laughs> thing where they have the like living funeral before he actually yeah. dies. Yeah. Oh, is that right. a thing that people do? That seems like really that I. I wouldn't want to go to one of those things. It's no. Really, it's like, a lot heavier than going to it. Yeah, like, man. Someone's dead, I think. It's like, yeah. hey, man, I appreciate you. Sorry you're dying. Yeah. Dude, imagine right, being like, sorry, I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I got this thing. Yeah, I got to work. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Arby's. <laughs> I'm getting the three for five. I need that. Um, this movie, like... Uh, did, what was Gore Verbinski trying to say about fast food? That it was of, bad or just that it was mediocre? Well, because Cage, like, said, his I think it, says in the movie that he is fat. He, like, the, he kind of just spells it out. He's like, I think it's that people settle for fast food because it's ubiquitous right. and easy. Yeah, as I, much as Cage makes a lot of the decisions for himself because, mm-hmm. like, it's just, like, it's almost as if he has no agency over the choices he's made. Or he wants but, us to believe that he hasn't. Right, but that's that's not even like a a statement, or like there's well, no depth. No, I I agree with you completely, but it, I I think that's like part of the problem is that like it's like it sort of states that, but it's like and like that's how Cage's life is, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it works out. Yeah, like um, and there's all these like you know 
well-lit shots of people stuffing their face with it. Like, there's a, a pretty great montage of people just... Yeah, like, really good montage, which actually made me want some of that food <laughs> right. more. Like, I, I haven't been to Burger King in I don't know how many years. Yeah. But yeah. after seeing yeah. that, I was kind of like, eh. Yeah, Whopper. Yeah. yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> You're like, all right, someone someone hucked a Frosty at him yeah. in the movie. I was like, damn, I kind of want a Frosty yeah, now. Um, but, like... Outside of just being like, it's like, look at this. This is fast food. It's here. And it's a thing. Do you ever think about how it's not as good as other food? Why do people eat it? Do you ever think about that? Here, it's in your face. What if I actually literally put it in a character's face? Wouldn't that be a thing in your face? But then, then it stops. Like, it, It's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's no development of it. He's maligning you for just like accepting something that is okay and easily accessible. Right. That he has nothing to add. About right. <laughs> well, and, and he also mentioned too, that like, um, you know, people throw fast food in the trash, you know, right. And, right. And by, by throwing it at him, it's like, it's, it's kind of like saying that he's, you know, like, yeah, he's you worse. He's worse. Food in the trash. He's worse than trash. He's, when you're he, done eating anything, <laughs> you throw the rest in the trash. Like, I mean, right. I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like it wasn't anti fast food enough. Right. No, it used fast food just as like I, I think what it thought was a clever like uh, artistic like uh, metaphor. It's, yeah, it it's was... it's just one of those choices that is made so that dumb people think that there's some like <laughs> yeah. deeper meaning behind. It's like Vanilla Sky or something. Or uh, I've never you know? seen. Vanilla Have you never Sky? seen Vanilla no. Sky? No. Yeah. Wait, isn't <laughs> isn't that the one where Tom Cruise like trips and imagines the whole thing? Vanilla Sky is a bonkers Tom Cruise uh, remake of a. Uh, Pretty also bonkers Penelope Cruz movie. Mm. Hmm. They're both really good. Another uh, Cameron Crowe joint, I think. Yeah, it is, is it really? Yeah, it's a Cameron Crowe joint yeah. who we were just talking about. I wrote earlier. this shit in the notebook. I wrote Orlando Bloom, <laughs> and it was from the preview from that Cameron Crowe movie that we, we were we watching this on an actual DVD. So we sat through like four previews of like fifteen-year-old movies that were coming out on DVD in and like also like two thousand five. What was it like? Steel DVDs. Uh, yeah, the, oh, yeah. The first oh, ad. The yeah, anti-piracy commercial anti-piracy. in front of every DVD made from 2001 <laughs> to 2007. And at the end, it's like rated I. Yeah. Illegal <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. the trailer for Elizabeth Town. That yeah. Was that was a thing. You guys want to hear what Cage said about this movie? I do. About Elizabeth Town? <laughs> I definitely want to hear that. I want to hear that. Little known fact, Cage was the first choice for Orlando <laughs> Bloom's character in Elizabeth Town. Uh, I thought he was playing Cameron Diaz's character. <laughs> or uh, Dunst, right? I think it was Dunst. Yeah, we'll oh, yeah. Yeah. Same, same thing. Same thing. Uh, he said about The Weatherman, I didn't want it to be a movie that seems like it could be made for TV. This movie is a reflection of an epidemic of divorce in our country, <laughs> and I'm no stranger to that club. Uh, he's, been, he's been divorced twice at this at point. At this point, yeah. Uh, I wanted to kind of express all of those feelings that I've built up over the years, and instead of lying around and moping, I wanted to do something good with all that emotion. So, Do you think he did something good with it? See, I don't think there was any emotion at all. So, <laughs> Well, I... His character, you know, he he had emotions. I don't I, I don't agree with uh, the way that he was handling <laughs> his life, but uh, but I think Cage did a pretty good job. What I was wondering, like, does does he like his kids at all? No, like, I like, think he doesn't. 
It seems like he he's doesn't. sort of maybe like I guess so. maybe I like mean, what, remember when his like son comes up uh, he's like on the street and his son comes up to the window of his car. Yeah. And yeah. Like 30 minutes deep into the movie. And yeah. And talked before. And he's like, he's like, Hey, he's like, Oh, Hey. And I, and I was like, wait, is that his son? And then he was just like, hey. I was like yeah. Um, yeah. I, I come around sometimes and I watch you through your window when you're playing guitar. It sounds good. He's like, cool. Thanks dad. Um, good to see you. All right. And I don't know, maybe that's part of the epidemic of divorce is that you just talk to your son like a stranger. But uh, it nobody seemed to really have strong feelings either way yeah. about any, anyone. Yeah. Like, he kept wanting to also, like, try to get back with his wife. But, like, why? Yeah. They, they clearly had a really bad relationship and didn't really seem to have anything. I mean, they broke up over tartar sauce. Yeah. <laughs> they broke up over tartar sauce. Yeah. And she married that other guy who... The dildo. The dildo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many what? times has dildo said in this movie? Oh, By Michael, Michael you know. Yeah, you know. Multiple times. Yeah, at least like six. What's you know? that like monologue he gives where he's like <laughs> sucking, sucking, fucking, fucking dildos? <laughs> more dildo, more fucking, <laughs> jer- jerking and sucking and chucking. That's what he says. <laughs> I like that part where uh, Nick Cage pegs his wife in the face with a snowball. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good scene. And that, that was right before uh, he got pegged. You know, our, our first time seeing him get uh, hit with a soda or a frosty. Right. Right. A frosty and then there's a whole montage toward the end where he takes you through every time yeah. he's gotten something thrown at him. Yeah. Chicken nuggets. Yeah. They go through like pretty much every fast food chain. All of them. Yeah, he gets like a blizzard in the face. Yeah, you, got the, you got the king. You got the, uh, mm-hmm. yep. You got the kernel. Oh, here's a here's a factoid. All of that snow was uh, had to be created. Of for course, the it did. There was, they went to Chicago. <laughs> they they did film in Chicago in February, but there was no snow. There was no snow. Just go somewhere where it's snowing. There's so many other cities where they could go and do that. Where it's I think snowing. that's a bad open for your movie. Too, Why are you like, making? Just don't. Yeah. Just it's don't make fake snow for a movie. There's snow so like much. Literally every scene. I know it's show. insane to me how much of the budget must have gone to the fake snow. Yeah. The, Why the, would they do that? The crew must have just been cursing the name of Gerber. Damn you, Verbinski! If you had just come like a month earlier. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's crazy. Or gone to fucking Vancouver. Like, gone to like no, literally oh, like so anywhere where yeah. it snows in February. Yeah, right. The studio right. really wanted them to go to Vancouver, but Cage uh, and Verbinski fought really hard to be in Chicago. They just oh, wanted wow. a vacation to Chicago. <laughs> That's all that is. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. They, they wanted the uh, they wanted the true uh, feeling of the city. Well, the other weird thing about the the choice of <laughs> like sticking to Chicago uh, is that there was no character of Chicago no. in the movie. Like it could have been any generic American city. It could have been downtown L.A. Like, like it, it, felt, it literally it felt, didn't matter. It didn't matter. And so I don't all. know why they insisted on Chicago because it didn't come through. Totally. No, when they go to New York, I felt exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were still just filming the New York scenes in Chicago, <laughs> right? <work. laughs> yep. Although there, there's that part where he's shooting uh, arrows. Oh, in Central, in Central Park. Park. Right, right. I'm really curious if you're allowed to do. <laughs> Someone sees somebody shooting arrows in Central Park. They're like, they're going to call the cops on you. Maybe they're illegal and they had to get a, uh, a warrant, you know, of some kind. Do you know? 
certificate from Excuse the city. Excuse me, sir. Do you have a permit? <laughs> do you have for a that, permit? For that That's bow and arrow? That's the word. That's the word. been carrying yep. the, uh, the bow everywhere. Um, How about when the daughter's like, he's like, why did you want to take up archery? And she's like, I wanted to hunt animals. <laughs> I wa- yeah, I wanted to kill them. Yeah, dude. Dude, she was, she was actually really good. Yeah, she was my That actress um, was really funny. Yeah. And like a kid, a, a bad child actor can derail a film, you know, like really easily. Your, your movie is only as strong as your child actor. I agree with that. A hundred percent. I wonder what else she's been. That's why, that's why uh, Jake Lloyd never did anything after <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to edit that out. I don't, that was a cheap shot. <laughs> it's not his fault, man. Star Wars fans suck. He got like so, so, he got harassed so badly for being in that movie. That's that's so rough. We got star. <laughs> that's that's terrible. That, that girl who plays Rose in the new uh, one is getting like. Oh, I know the trolls are all over that. I don't know what their fucking problem is. I feel like I have nothing else to say about I, this movie. I feel like I do. I have something. Well, the um. The relationship between the dad and um, and I don't even know what, what was Nick Cage's character. What was his Dave name again? Spritz, it was Dave, Dave Spritz. Dave Spritz, right? Right. Al, I have a photo. Al Sunshine. I, Al I took Sunshine. a photo of it, Jesse, in case Thank you, you forget. Al Sunshine, Dave Spritz. They're, they're similar names in tone, you know. I'm sure Nick Cage heard, uh, you know, Al Sunshine. He's like, oh, what's a what's a goofy name that I could? Dave Spritz. So, I do. I mean. I don't I don't know how I feel about Gore Verbinski because I do genuinely think the ring was really well done. Um, that was a fluke. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, both I just don't really like any other movie of his that I've no, seen. No, because he, he did the uh, he did all the Pirates sequels and he did the Lone Ranger and I haven't really seen any of those. Uh, and he did a Cure for Wellness recently, which. Is not a good movie, but uh, it's incredibly bonkers. Cre- creepiest damn movie ever. Yeah, just but like not, not in a good way. No, no. He knows he he knows like visual spectacle. Like this is definitely like his most like quote unquote indie movie. I, I don't know how indie it is if you create like a, that much snow <laughs> if you have that many snow machines on set. His movies look beautiful. They like look they look beautiful. like really nice, and, but like, this, like the scene where. Uh, Nick Cage dreams of Spongebob like floating by his window yeah, and uh, of being on the floor. Like visually it's really cool, but, uh, or like this, that like scene after his dad dies of the ice melting on all the deer, uh, the fake deer in the shooting range and stuff like there's, I guess like flair, visual flair to his movies, but he just doesn't have like taste. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he knows his way around a good visual, but uh he he can't necessarily uh make a a movie that feels good to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Which works for the ring cuz that you're supposed to feel like you're watching the evil videotape the whole time and uh that what you're seeing should should not be. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. But um what I, I like, I don't even know what this movie was trying to be. Yeah. What was he? Who was this for? What was it? What? What am I supposed to come away from it feeling? Well, there's movies like this, and like, um, 
like about Schmidt and stuff like right. that and, and movies that, that are just like hella depressing, like dude, dude movies, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just like, I don't know. I, you just don't come out of it like feeling good. There's like that Woody Harrelson movie, uh, Wilson, I think that came out recently. Uh, also in the same vein, you know, just like very, you know, just men feeling feelings. Just men feeling feelings. Yeah. Like, and that's not even the whole thing. It's just like, it's just like nihilistic, you know, it's just, yeah, it just, it, there's it, nothing. This, this movie was just, it was like oppressive to watch. Yeah. And, and, the art, and I didn't like any of the characters. No, exactly. I don't right. feel good about the fact that Nick Cage's character came out fine from every, that he like got the job that he wanted and, and everything. Like I'm not, comforted by his arc or if you can call it that like why i don't understand like i just i just feel sad about the world yeah (laughs) yeah yeah totally yeah i feel like um i I feel like cage's character kind of like fucks up a whole bunch almost um i feel like this is just my theory. I, I think it's like a covert way to like get his dad's attention Yeah. because his dad, like, um, you know, he, he just seems like kind of, you know, like I was saying, maybe on the spectrum, you know, possibly. And, uh, like, I don't know, like otherwise seems like a very, like a really intelligent guy who like, I don't know. Um, but I just don't think cage like recognizes that. I don't think he like, he actually like sees it. So he's, he's like, he takes it as just being like an inattentive dad or like a, you know, absent, aloof. So it just, it just seems like he just keeps fucking up, you know, just to, uh, yeah, to yeah. Like, uh, get any kind of reaction out of him basically. Right. You know, <laughs> the weatherman, <laughs> weatherman. <laughs> Tune in next week or next time for uh, the ant bully. Oh my God, dude. I can't wait for the ant bully. <laughs> It's gonna be great. Yeah, that's gonna be. Uh, I don't even. I, I don't even know who we would ask to be a guest on that. I. Like, I. I you and I. Yeah, I don't think we could subject I, anyone else I to that. I wouldn't do it. It's really too much. No, we two grown men have to watch that children's movie together or <laughs> separately, <laughs> and then and talk then talk about, about it together. Together. Forever and ever, amen. There's a countdown. See, I like this one because it has all the gap at the front, but then there's like a crazy countdown right before Look Watch. So you're just watching it. You're like, all right, when the fuck is this going to happen? Two, one. (laughs) 